Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of the pod people. We're at 11. Yeah, we're at 11. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't believe we're still here either. Uh, this week, we did the little known awesome movie, The Shadow. The Shadow Known. Because you gotta love The Shadow. <laughs> so awesome. Alright, so we'll run down fun facts first. It was released July 1st, 1994. That's like, uh, I was like eight months old. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, budget was $25 million. The gross in the U.S. was $32 million. Worldwide was $48 million. So it did pretty good for itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like it almost doubles its budget, you know? Well, I think I think that's like over time that it got that. I don't yeah. think because I saw I saw some other numbers and it wasn't but, looking great. You know, they always say like movies like flopped or whatever, but I mean it's made its money back. So yeah, but then like there's marketing and they might know. not account for the budget. I like oh, nowadays they throw yeah. they throw the marketing budget into the actual budget of the film, but back uh, in the day they didn't do that. So the numbers are a little skewed. Yeah, except for departments. Yeah. Uh, and so fun fact also with this movie is. Sam Raimi tried to acquire the rights for The Shadow, but he couldn't get the rights. So instead, he made Darkman, which is another awesome, awesome movie. We, we may get to that one someday. We should get to that one Because not someday. enough people know about Darkman. Darkman. Yeah. yeah, Darkman. See, you don't even know about Darkman. Oh, it's so awesome. It's a movie where Liam Neeson turns into Bruce Campbell. Yes, and he says, <laughs> take the fucking elephant. Take the fucking elephant. You got more fun facts, right? Yeah. Right, Dad? So here's here's a little background of The Shadow. I'm not exactly sure when it started. I'm going to say 1930 flat. Yeah. And, it's like 30 or 31. Something yeah. Like that, and it, it started as a, uh, as a radio show to promote a series of uh, detective pulps. And then they made it into a comic book a little later. And this was a direct influence on Batman. And uh, that's pretty important. Like yeah. he, there's there's a lot of notes here. He's a rich, you know, really rich guy. Oh, he's a great name too. Yeah, Lamont Cranston. Lamont Cranston. Yeah, I'm about as white good. as it gets. Yeah, but like, how good is that though? Oh, that sounds prestigious. He's oh, a man. he's a very wealthy crime fighter who uses uh, theatricality and yeah. deception. You know, he uses the shadow. That's right. I freaking love this movie. And because it's See, Alec Baldwin, Batman, it's even better. Batman merely adapted to the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Alec Baldwin is a shadow. Yes. So, um, so quite literally, it has, like, it, it laid some of the blocks for every superhero that, you know, came afterwards that was rich, you know. Yeah. Wealthy dude, high up in a tower, fighting crime, having a network of people, detective type thing, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot of that everywhere. The only earlier thread I think is uh, is probably Zorro and the Scarlet Pimpernel as like Pimpernel. The scar- yeah, the Scarlet Pimpernel. He's a really old Man, you you got me on that one. Like we'll we'll talk. We'll talk about the Scarlet Pimpernel. Zach. Man, good for you. He's a he's he's a old mash swashbuckler, you know, from Zorro days. Oh, this sounds fantastic. Also very wealthy. We are going to dive into this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the, there's a Scarlet Pimpernel out there too. All right. So um <laughs> So when I think of really old, you know, inspirations, those are the three I go to, even though Zorro and Pimpernel are a little bit older. Like, yeah. The Shadow is one of the foundations. So, it's... He's had five feature films before. There were four before 1958. I think 1958 was, like, the last one, was, like, the most recent besides the one we just watched. Yeah. And then this, the most recent one, came out 
in 94. Yeah. This was during the 90s boom of superhero films. Well, yeah. You know, uh, the... Uh, the Tim Burton Batman came out in the late 80s, and the 90s just released superhero film after superhero film on this, this riding this wave. This is where we have, you know, The Shadow and the other Batman movies and Steel and The Phantom. Oh, man. We we'll probably have to watch The Phantom on this podcast at some point. But the, the Shadow in, in this huge wave kind of got lost in the mix. Yeah. It, it kind of slipped through the cracks because it's... The time it came out, it, it wasn't wasn't very memorable. There wasn't a whole lot to cling on to. But time has aged this film like yes. fine wine. So, well, I'm surprised too because it's Alec Baldwin. Actually, I'm go- I'm gonna say time has aged this film like fine cheese because it is incredibly just this this amazing cheese fest. I love it so much. I had the best time. Oh my goodness! It's like when you've been waiting for a movie for a long time. And you're always worried, like, oh, this won't, this won't end up good. This, like, more than exceeded my expectations. So our film opens up in the opium fields. Yes, in Tibet. Man. Yeah, in yeah. the Tibetan opium fields. It. Did it give us a time? I didn't see a date. No, I didn't see a date. This, um, this is, this is, uh, it's got to be like 1930s. Something like that, yeah. It's, uh, it's post post World War One, pre World War Two. That's, you know, 1930s. Yeah, fair enough. So, Tibetan Opium Fields, we have, um, oh, man, I'm going to say his name wrong again. What's his name? Uh, James Hong? Yeah. Um, Yeah, James Hong. I believe that's his name. I'm sorry if I got it wrong. He's I really love when he shows up all through 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. If they had a TV show and they needed somebody in Chinatown to be their yeah. Chinese guy, it was him. Uh, the children might know him as the the goose dad in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Like he is everywhere. His filmography is one of the longest that you'll ever have to read. Yeah. And I, I pray his name is James Hong because if I said it wrong, I'm so sorry. Be, like, oh yeah, I'm. I will kick myself. We're gonna put you in timeout. <laughs> Just kidding. We have no show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not allowed to talk for the next hour. Yeah, we're gonna make Tomas helm the helm the podcast. So not go to your room. <laughs> so so they they toss James Hong into this opium den, and um, from there, we see this this shadowy figure. Ah, he's in the shadows. I get it. And it's it's an opium den. There's there's you know concubines and and people smoking pipes and all kinds oh, yeah. of crazy stuff. stuff. And yeah. and James Hong yells and he makes a statement that the man in this chair he controls all the opium in all of China. Which right? is like that's an accomplishment. Like good for you. Bro. That's a lot of opium. <laughs> yeah. So he he controls all of the opium. And he just has a little opium farm, him and his brothers, you know, and, you know, it's not fair that he's, you know, kicking them out. Yeah. And he sent men to go rough them up, and James Hong and his brothers, I guess, were able to defeat the people he sent. And James Hong says that if they kill him, his brothers will come for him. And then the man from the shadows emerges, and it is a long-haired, long-fingernailed... Shirtless. Shirtless Alec Baldwin. 
And Alec Baldwin's the bad guy. He he has James Hong shot through the man James Hong manages to take hostage. Yeah. Like through the guy who says, You're like a father to me. Shoot through him. And yeah. you know, standard cheesy bad guy thing. Good stuff. And our hero, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And then in the middle of the night he gets kidnapped. No preamble. Just, you know, we cut to night, gets kidnapped, and then he's taken to a temple hidden by clouds. Yeah. The clouds part and it just appears, and Alec Baldwin's like, "Where did this come from?" And uh, did you write the line down? Yeah. The clouded mind sees nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. So they they take him before the the Talku is his name, I believe. You know, he's something like that. Yeah. T-U-L-K-U. So he gets it. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's all dressed up in regal. I, I think someone dubbed him over. Someone with a more impressive voice. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's his real voice. He's a guy. Um, you know, he, he looks mystical. He looks like he can do some stuff, and he, yeah. he disappears. And Alec Baldwin tries to fight him, and yeah. he's all over the place. He and then him with a knife. Yeah. Alec Baldwin grabs a knife, and this knife is alive. It starts trying to stab him and yeah. bites his hand because it has a little face on it, a little creepy face with teeth. And yeah. uh, basically, the Talku, the the mystical dude, says, "I'm going to redeem you by force. You're going to be a good guy now." And Alec Baldwin's like, "Bullshit!" Yeah. And then we cut to black, and we get a text scroll. Yeah. Which is always kind of. Uh, a little abrupt and jarring, but I'm glad it's there because it shortens the film and it gets us into the action yeah. a little faster. Because yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us are here for a real in-depth, you know, yeah. shadow training montage. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, like I don't need to see that. So no, we, yeah. we cut to seven years later. Yeah. In so New York City. New York City. It's it's given like you know. <laughs> It's given the treatment of, like, you know, den of thieves and evil, you know. Yeah. It's, it's given the Obi-Wan treatment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we see a few men getting out of a car on a bridge. Yeah. One of these men is wearing cement galoshes. Yeah, man. That's they're, some mafia shit right there. They're yeah. going to toss this guy over the bridge. Yeah. But before they can do it, a uh, sonorous laugh cuts Ooh, through the night. Look at this guy breaking out the big words, man. man. That's a word, I think. I, I believe like I used that. it correctly. It is now. <laughs> so basically, the boogeyman starts boogieing, right? He's just and and then he uses his his old uh, his old catchphrase from the end of the radio show. Which was, uh, the weed of crime bears sour fruit, something like that. So weed of crime bears something fruit, and uh -huh. the fruit is not tasty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, crime doesn't pay, kids. So the, uh, the guy who's going to throw the dude off the building, he pulls out a Tommy gun, starts shooting at nothing. Duke, that's the gangster's Duke, name. Duke, yeah. head of the gangsters. And yeah. the shadow says from the shadows that he's... Killed a police officer and he's gonna turn himself in. And he uh, he shadow boxes him. He uh, <laughs> no he he's half invisible and he's able to punch people without them seeing him. And legit, like for '94, the effects yeah, are pretty awesome. Really good um, digital effects for '94. They put a lot of love into the into the CGI work. Yeah. There's there's a few moments that stick out as as pretty bad, but yeah. um, but it's '94. What do you want? Yeah, like, his movement you know, looks really cool though. So, you know, they they only had 40 million to get this done, all right? And Yeah. 
and they had to make a lot of period pieces and a lot of sets. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd like to comment on this bridge set real quick. You know, concrete bridge, you know. Well, it's supposed to be the Brooklyn Bridge. It's yeah. supposed to be the Brooklyn Bridge. And they're obviously surrounded on both sides by a very tall, large uh, matte painting. And I really like it. It looks, it's it's the perfect amount of, of looking realistic and, and cheese. You know, you might not notice it if you don't know it's there, but if you do, you'll be giggling to yourself, yeah. you know. It's like one of those, um, they tried. And they, like, this movie reeks of they tried. And it's not that they didn't succeed. It's just, you know, they didn't have all the money in the world. They did the absolute best that they can. And for the time, for the budget, I believe they pulled it off. Yeah. And and the bridge, the bridge mats, I just, that's just kind of the quintessential moment of this movie that well you know not of the story but just it kind of wraps up the entire production in my opinion these these uh these matte paintings they put on both sides of this bridge so, dumb little thing to notice but <laughs> i really like it well you know why I... <laughs> so <laughs> that's right so the the shadow dispatches duke and Duke agrees to turn himself in. Yeah. And then the shadow pulls out his guns and starts blasting at the man with cement galoshes. His name was uh, Roy Tan. Yeah. He's a professor of something at something. That, and yeah. that, I know that part. Yeah. Right? I don't remember what he he's, Yeah, he's like a doctor. Well, they use him later and he looks over like the chemistry. Yeah. It's a metal thing, so. Yeah. Say something. Well, you know, it's got to come back. So. Yeah. So he saves Roy Tan, yeah. and um, and they basically let him in on this this cabal well, of shadow. No, the way he says it is like super no. Yeah. Cause he's like, I saved your life. Now it belongs to me. Yeah. What? <laughs> so uh, he cool. yeah, he recruits him into this uh, this cabal, or, or would I be so bold as to say League of Shadows? Uh, uh, I don't is know. it a League of Shadows? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's where it all starts. Maybe in a few uh, years he finds Liam Neeson. There you full go. circle. There you go. So. <laughs> oh, man, I love this. <laughs> you know, that would be uh, before he trains Batman, but then, yeah. you know, after that, I don't know what happened in his life that he turns into Darkman, but, you know... Liam Neeson's lived a very interesting. Do the math. Yeah. <laughs> then he tries to shoot himself in the snow for no good reason. <laughs> Ends up boxing with some wolves. I don't know. <laughs> he he never learned to watch the surrounding. So, um, that's that's a bit off track. So we're in the cab. We're in the cab. Yeah. So okay. So that's another thing. The shadow throws Roy Tan in this cab, and yeah. they're they're driving across by the Peter city. Peter Boyle. Driven by Peter Boyle. Makes you happy. <laughs> um, Peter Boyle's fantastic. Oh man, he's best. If you don't know who Peter Boyle is, uh, I can't help you. We well, can, you know, he's the Frankenstein, the young Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. But what he's known for most is he's Frank from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. You know? Is that what he's most known? Yeah, for? I would think, like for the contemporary audience. Probably in 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 my mind, and I know this isn't what he's most known for, but what he's most known for for me is uh, is being is being the dad. In uh, while you were sleeping, one of my oh favorite my romantic gosh. comedies. Isn't that such a good movie? <laughs> oh my goodness! That's a completely different discussion. Discussion for a completely different day. But go see while you were sleeping. Yeah, find it and watch it. It's awesome. For this movie, though, he's driving the cab. Yeah, he's driving <laughs> the cab. He's one of the shadow's agents. They're not mutually exclusive, you know. Maybe later on, you know, he has oh, two kids. You never know. Yeah. 
the shadow gnomes. Ah. So, so he's so Peter Boyle's driving this cab, and uh, the shadow explains to him that he's got this network of people, yeah. whom we assume he saved all these people's lives who work for him. Yeah. So he's going to be his agent now. He's going to call him, you know, yeah. if he needs help. Yeah. And this guy's going to respond. They give him a nifty red ring. Yeah. Tells him never to take it off. Yeah. And they they drop him off. Well, no, because they tell him how. It, how you know it's one of the shadow's agents? Oh yeah, is because the first the, the first person says the sun is shining, and then the second guy says. Uh, but the ice is slippery. There you go. The ice is still still slippery. It's something. No, like it's that. the ice is slippery. Mm -hmm. I wanted you to do the other half. That way it was like you know, it'd be like how the agents are tied. Yeah. You know? Cool moment, dude. I love this movie. Yeah, it's it it just you know the cheese is just flowing. I know. And um, so, oh here's the thing. The Shadow's not in this movie all that much. And he's mostly invisible. Mm -hmm. So, but when he does show up, he's got a ridiculous nose. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's part of the disguise. He looks more like Billy Baldwin than Alec Baldwin. <laughs> he really does. He looks like a different Baldwin with this huge, ridiculous nose. Yeah. And um, I think it's supposed to be... It, it's it's not makeup. It's part of his, his psychic disguise. Yeah. It's something that he implants in people's minds, and and he he loses it, and he says to go to the Cobalt Club. Yeah. Um, after after they drop off Roy Tan, his his disguise kind of falls apart. Yeah. And he goes Cobalt Club, so they go to the Cobalt Club, where his uncle Jonathan Waters is waiting yeah, for him. Yeah, he's the police commissioner. Uncle. So I know no one knows who Jonathan Waters is. Break it ten. You know. I am not. I am not the Jonathan Waters, you oh, know, okay. guy. Oh, kind of. I'm. I haven't seen all of his work. He just seemed excited. I thought he. But every out. everything I've seen him in has been fantastic. Uh, one of the standouts for me is he's a uh, he's a auto mechanic, a tow truck driver in It's a Mad 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 World, which is if if you have three hours, it's just full of uh, old Hollywood jokes, old Hollywood people doing old Hollywood stuff. It's like the the greatest comedians from the 1950s and 60s all team up to make like this one huge romp race for money. Um, there's a buried treasure, everybody's got to go find it. But anyway, Jonathan Waters, veteran of the silver screen and television, I believe he was in uh, um, that show, uh, Mork and Mindy. He came in in like season four or five or something. He he played another alien along with uh, Robin Williams, and those two uh, had a like he he kept up with Robin Williams. They'd go back and forth on improv, and the people having to make that show would just cry, <laughs> weep in their hands, not knowing how to cut or edit. Any of them just rolling off each other for like fifteen minutes. So yeah, uh, great great actor. This is this is probably towards the end of his time, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. Um, yeah. So Commissioner Commissioner Jonathan Waters, I don't remember his name. Wainwright? Wainwright, something yeah. like that. Um, he he his complaint with, with Alec Baldwin is he's always late. Yeah. Like, you know, he's always an hour late every time they have a dinner. And that's one of the many running jokes in this movie that doesn't quite catch on. <sighs> it it seems to be played for humor, but there's a lot of just off moments of comedy that just don't take. And that's one of them for me. Yeah. The, the running joke of him showing up late. I guess it's a motif. So, um, 
then while they're having this discussion and, and Jonathan Waters is trying to make a connection with his nephew and saying how he never asked questions about the war, yeah. you know, and he disappeared for seven years. Well, you know, he's trying to have this heart to heart. Yeah. Margot Lane walks in yeah, the room. Yeah, she does. Um, like in a white dress. Yeah. So a very, very attractive woman of the day comes in. And uh, Alec Baldwin is uh, hypnotized, as it were. Yeah. Um, Alec Baldwin is, uh, is mesmerized by her, buys her a drink, and uh, Jonathan Waters says, you don't want anything to do with her. She hears voices. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, all right. And then, um, you know, as, as you would, Alec Baldwin bails on his uncle. Yeah, man. Goes and takes her to a Chinese restaurant where he shows off that he can only speak Mandarin. Yeah. <laughs> Because, um, so, so they go and they have a wonderful night. Yeah. And then he drops her off. Peter Boyle drives, uh, drives Alec Baldwin away. And, uh, Alec Baldwin says, oh, she's more powerful than she knows. But, uh, you know, I'm never going to see her again. It's too <laughs> dangerous. And Peter Boyle's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he, they have a line of like, too dangerous for you or for her. For me, yeah. bum bum bum, you know, classic. Uh, that's that's one of the reasons it's it's kind of hard to sell this movie because it's so cliche, but it hits it so well. I don't know, man. I love this movie. No, like you, you love it on a pure and elemental level that I wish I had for <laughs> for life. Like you, you just cut through the bullshit. But me, I'm I'm stupid. My brain's always going off, and I have to enjoy it through like three levels of meta narrative. That like you know, I can't just look at something and enjoy it. I gotta yeah. I gotta dig through it and find everything. And yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, watch the movie is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So. Uh, from here, we have, this is where we roll onto the sarcophagus, right? Well, yeah, because he's at, uh, fuck, uh, the shadow is at home. Yeah. And then oh, he yeah, has that's a vision right. that someone is coming, and then it cuts to the museum. So, yeah. shadow goes home, he's, he's asleep, he's got a, a glass of wine in his hand, and, or bourbon, who knows, it's in a wine glass. So... The fire springs up and there's a face in it. You know, it's the the fire's going all Ipmotep on him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's freaking him out. When once he wakes up, you know, he wakes up in a cold sweat. He he missed the fire, but he knows you know something's coming. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to the museum. Yeah. And here's where we get really excited for no good reason. <laughs> well, we had a reason, but we were wrong. Yeah. So this is the sarcophagus, right? They're, they're at the bottom of the Natural History Museum in New York. Yeah. Uh, fantastic place. If you're ever in New York, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yes, because we're just going to accidentally be in New York sometime. Well, you never know. If, if you're in New York, there's a lot of things to do in New York, but the Natural History Museum has some awesome stuff inside. Um, they, have, they have just a wall of, of aquatic life that just blows your mind. That's cool. It's it's so tall and so and a huge like cross cut of a of a log and you you really get to like see the scale of some of the animals like you know there's a there's there's a standing bear in there uh -huh. and uh, I'm I'm fairly tall I'm over six foot but I'm looking up at that bear it's it's <laughs> it's got a good like four feet on me it seems Jesus like that man. is a bear you know <laughs> and, and uh, twice as wide bear. <laughs> 
you can take a look at a moose and see how big that thing is. Anyway, the Natural yeah. History Museum. You can kind of see some of this in the background, which is yeah. nice. So, 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 so they're uncovering this sarcophagus, and the the museum curator. They're trying to figure out where it's coming from because it's not lining up. It's come from the wrong place. It's a iron sarcophagus, but the Tibetan only used stone. And then he realizes it's silver, but it has Latin written on it. So it's it's all over the place. This yeah. sarcophagus, and. Uh, the guy reads the Latin and it's something about the power of God on earth and a whole bunch of junk like that. And they, they open it up and uh, it's they, they figure it's the, the sarcophagus of Temujin. Yeah. Temujin is the birth name of Genghis Khan. Yeah, go. Um, Which and, I didn't know. You knew that before they even said it. I did. Yeah. Well. You got to know about Genghis Khan. He's, yeah. he's the most prolific person ever to live. I think for most people, he's family. <laughs> it's true. For for most... Uh, many, many, many people on Earth are somewhat related to Genghis Khan just because he had so many children who he put in so many positions of power all throughout Asia who then went on to have so many children. So, um, you know, everybody's got a little, little Mongolian in them because of Genghis Khan. <laughs> Fun fact, Genghis Khan, I think he was also a dwarf. So, yeah, he's short. That's yeah. what I heard. It's like Napoleon. Like, they're like little dudes. Napoleon wasn't short, though. Oh, I believe me, yeah, but they say, you know. Like... Yeah, Genghis, supposedly Genghis Khan was a dwarf. I'm not sure about that. Uh, Napoleon was 5'7", which was actually tall for the time. Uh, that was, That's like some, some post, like, you know, smear work his enemies yeah. did afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another, another, another fun fact about Genghis Khan, and I'm not sure if this is history or legend, but um, he didn't want anyone knowing where he was buried. So he got his most trusted guys, he got a team of them to go out somewhere and not tell anybody and, and uh, bury him. Yeah. And then they went back to camp. And then he had his other most trusted guys kill those guys when they came yeah. back to camp. So, <laughs> because somebody always talks, man. They don't and those, those Mongols, they, they, knew how to, yeah. they knew how to kill people. Yeah. Pretty proficient at it. Yeah. Also, there has never been someone who has controlled more land on the face of the earth than Genghis Khan. <laughs> you know, possibly, you know, the the height of the British Empire, you know, the sun never set on that empire. Yeah. It still doesn't to this day. There's there's one island holding it together, but um, <laughs> the but um I think just as as far as landmass goes, yeah. I, I yeah, Genghis Khan has the title by far. I think I think number two is like Alexander the Great. And he didn't hold it as long. Genghis yeah. Khan's empire took a little bit. So, anyway, Genghis Khan's the big bad of this movie. Well, or, he's a descendant of Or at least Khan. we thought so. But he's, a, he's you know, he's like, I am the last descendant of Genghis yeah. Khan. Which, as we've just stated, everyone's a descendant of Genghis <laughs> Khan. So, I don't know what gives him, you know, the... <laughs> I know. It's like, you know... Yeah. Like, I... Like, if a hundred people listen to this podcast, which is, you know, shooting pretty oh, high. Man, I wish. So let's say, if, if ten people listen to this podcast... That's more realistic. I'm willing to bet six of you are related to Genghis Khan in one way or another. That's, like, that's the random, you know, cut. Yeah. So we're in the museum. We're in the museum. And they open the sarcophagus. And there's a dude in there. It opens by itself. Yeah. And then the rent cop gets killed. Yeah, so I'm they, pretty sure it's Cork from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> we don't know. I'm not willing to stake my reputation on that, though. So, uh, Cork from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Confirmed. All right. I, 
I trust this man with my life. And if he says it's Quark... No, I say invite me. <laughs> I have to ask my brother, man. <laughs> he's, he's willing to put $50 on the table no, right now. No. That this is Quark from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> so anyway, um, he gets Jedi mind tricked by... Uh, I'm just gonna call him Khan. Yeah, that's what I do the entire time, and then that way you get to yell. Well, Khan! His name, his name is like Shi Shuan Khan. It's Xiang King. See, leave it to the right. See yeah. Here. All right. You speak Mandarin. Yeah. Hey. Enough to know the names. Yeah. How to say them right. You're a guy in the truck. All right. All right. We gotta use you. All right. So we can call him Khan. Yeah. Sorry. Ace Khan! in the hole. So, so Khan tells this dude to shoot himself in the head. Yeah. And he does, because he has magic uh, hypnosis powers. he can cloud the man's mind. That's right. Like he, the shadow. Everyone's mind is weak. So, you know, he can he can take over it. So he makes this dude shoot himself. Yeah. And then, here's here's the part that got me and Zach. Zach because of the visual. <sighs> and and me because of the scene itself. So... So he shoots himself, the museum curator and the other guy who was in the room when he was explaining all this, they both run into the room. And hidden among some some statues of people, like some, yeah. some like uh, medieval things and some terracotta warriors is like, Gang is is Khan. He's standing still so they don't see him. Yeah. Right. He's he's hiding out and, and it's hilarious. He's it reminds just, me of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's. It's not meant to be funny, but it really is. Yeah. And then they, they turn around and he's gone. He's not yeah. there at all. But here's here's why it gets me, okay? So this guy can 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 hypnotize people into shooting themselves. He's like, you know, this all powerful dude. And then what happens? The uh, you know, the museum curator and some other guy, these are both old dudes, right? Yeah. He's gotta hide out from them. You know, this is a physically fit person who obviously has superpowers, and he's he's like, oh man, these guys are too much for me. I better hide till yeah. like you know till I get a chance to escape. Yeah. No problem killing this guy. So you think maybe, you know, it might be like, oh well, you know, one suicide is like one thing the police won't investigate, but then you know, yeah. two, you know, three people dying in a room, maybe they won't. But no, there's a full-on investigation on the murder. So somehow they knew that this guy didn't shoot himself in the head, even though the physical evidence would, you know, suggest he shot know. himself you, in like, the head. Why would the Rana cop do that? Especially in front of, like, the sarcophagus? His sarcophagus was missing, though. Uh, but then... The, he, <laughs> but then, how did the sarcophagus go missing if, if he took off without it? Maybe he circled back for it. Dude, I don't know. There's, there's a few plot holes in this movie. I'll get to the other one when we get there of just like, wait a minute. How did that happen? So, um, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't just travel to New York. Yeah. Instead, because the sarcophagus, like you think, oh, he's, he's awakened, but he's not Genghis Khan. He's a descendant. Yeah. And later we find out he's actually contemporary. You know, he's yeah. not some ancient force. He's somebody who was like, you know, born, lived around, yeah, moved around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he he knows stuff. So you know. I don't know. So after we'll, the museum, we'll get to that scene when yeah. we get there. Yeah. After the museum, we go to to Doctor Lane, who's Margot's daddy, mm-hmm. and we got Tim Curry floating around, who's Mister Claymore. Yeah, Mister Claymore. Puts down some sexual innuendo. And uh, who toward, oh, towards Margot? Before before we carry on, and who is who is Doctor Reinhardt Lane? Oh, it's it's Ian McKellen. So it's Ian the best. Ian McKellen struggling throughout the film to use his American accent. By the way, he's the best. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. He's Magneto. He's Magneto, and he's Gandalf. I know. 
Gandalf the Grey and, and Gandalf should, the White. I should go Gandalf, but he's so awesome as Magneto. He is! And Magneto's one of my favorite comic book characters ever. I just love Magneto. Magneto's fun. As, yeah, yeah. as you know, when we watch Split and Glass, like, the whole time, yeah. even though it's not the right, you know, Xavier in there, yeah. we're all the future, Charles, yeah. not them. <laughs> you, you just can't, you know, yeah. just... Uh, Ian McKellen's just one of those uh, one of those guys who just knocks it out of the park when he shows up. Yeah. He's he's pretty subdued in this movie. He doesn't really do much. Yeah. All right. So we're in the room, and uh, Doctor Lane's talking to Margot about stuff. And I think this just was more establishing, yeah. you know, their family and stuff. Yeah. We get a Pepsi product placement. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Doctor Lane is working on some stuff for the government and he doesn't want to do weapons he's working on energy yeah tim curry wants him to work on weapons tim curry hits on margo yeah. tim curry gets shot down yeah he wants to show her his uh beryllium sphere yes, he does. you know yeah can't save the galaxy quest without one um exactly i'm not sure if that was beryllium or beryllium i don't galaxy quest is awesome that's another great one so um, but we, we have a little establishing moment and a setup for another joke that flops later between, uh, Margot and Dr. Lane where, where he doesn't, he's this super smart genius, but he doesn't know what colors are. Yeah. You know, he, he points to a green thing and says it's red and vice versa. Well, he might be colorblind. Yeah. He may be. Yeah. It's possible. They wouldn't yeah, know. Yeah, like you can sometimes not see certain colors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's possible. Um. Well, and then color the, itself, we all perceive it differently. Right, and so we all see things like, you just like yeah, that's really. that's one of those things. But like, you know, we all see that box, and we've all agreed that's what we're gonna call red. You know, yeah. for me, it might be more. It might look exactly what your like green yeah. is in perception. We don't know. That's another yeah. long discussion for another day. Yeah. We do know that um, language affects color, because before you have a word for the color, you don't have the perception of that color. Yeah. Like, I think Russia has 11 base colors, like, Dang. in base language or something like that, and uh, we have seven in America, but then um, it takes longer to add the color blue. Um, a lot of, uh, most of the time, the colors you start off with are, like, you know, red, black, and and, uh, and uh, green, you know, because yeah. you're always seeing red, you're always seeing green, you're out in the wild, you're hunting boars, you know. And then as time goes on and things, you know, it's not that you can't see those colors. It's just you don't have the perception of it as a difference or it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Which is why in the Odyssey, they, they call the oceans uh, like wine. You know, uh -huh. they, they make a lot of comparisons that don't, you know, make a lot of sense today. That's what uh, Gladstone brought up in the 1800s. Uh -huh. So that got way off yeah, track. The guy may be colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> or he could have just been under a lot of pressure if he didn't. Anyway, I'm, that's, that's later these thing. tangents, man. Oh, yeah. I apologize. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> just so full of words. That yeah. You gotta go somewhere. Alright. And they're talking, you know... Yeah. They're talking just in general stuff, right? And then she brings up the shadow to the dad. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, Margot brings up how she, she met Alec Baldwin and yeah. she doesn't think she's gonna see him again because she has a feeling... She's a mind reader. Yeah. We kind of went over that. We, we kind of glanced over that before, but she can she can read Alec Baldwin's mind. Yeah. Um, so she gets the impression that uh, 
she gets the impression that she's not going to see him again because she can she can feel it because uh, there's there's a time at dinner where he thinks that she's wearing a lovely dress and she thanks him for the compliment but that's just what he was thinking yeah, yeah. and that's all we really you know get that's kind of why we glanced over because it's such a small little thing so meanwhile we have the uh, the investigation the next day on yeah. the shooting guy shot himself in the head yeah uh, sarcophagus is gone. They're they're looking at the murder scene, trying to piece it together. And one of the shadows agents is a cop. Yeah. He strolls off and he goes over to, uh, you know, a room that's locked with a key. Turns the key. He makes a note and he puts it in one of those uh, tubes. Yeah. I don't remember what those tubes are called. But um, I I'm not sure how they work. Like pneumatic, something like that. Yeah, pneumatic. Yeah. I think that's it. I think they're they're pressurized. Yeah. And um, basically, you know, they shoot messages around. Old, old form of faster communication. You may have seen one in the, uh, in the, uh, two thousand and one, two thousand film uh, Atlantis, The Lost <laughs> Empire. They had one in the very beginning. You know, dear Mister Thatch, your appointment's been moved up. You know, you, that they're We're they're still using like a pharmacies and shit. Right? Yeah. yeah, they uh, they used one. The the mice used them in transportation in I think American Tale three. Wow. Like the Manhattan Monster, something like that. I don't remember. There's so many American tales. Yeah. So, it yeah. might be four, because I think three was the secret of Manhattan Island. Yeah, and so like the ladder, <laughs> he's gonna, he's got to get it to the shadow. Yeah. So he's got to get this thing to the shadow, and it, it goes way too long. I don't know how pressurized these things are, and I don't know how complicated, but this thing yeah. spans the scope of the city. Yeah. And there's a guy sitting in a room with all these tubes coming to him, and yeah. he's able to, you know, pick pick one up and then he he sends the message he presses a button uh to the i almost said the phantom to the shadow's ring because the phantom has his ring i bet it's been done i bet we'll we'll take some look if if it's anywhere it's in defenders of the earth we'll find that so presses the button ring lights up and uh alec baldwin goes to his uh his sanctum he calls it yeah he calls his cabbie, brings him to his sanctum, and uh, Alec Baldwin's going to look up this murder. Yeah. Oh, also, in the sanctum, Alec Baldwin contacts his information guy, the guy with all the tubes, on a really old television, which is awesome, because they probably, I think, television, what, what was it, like the German World's Fair? Dude, I don't know. Something. <laughs> yeah. How would I know that, man? <laughs> color TV came out in 1950. Yeah, this one has some vague color to it, so... Well, so, they they had a form of color. Never mind. I don't know. So we're in the shadow sanctum. Which <laughs> <laughs> I can't, you know, not giggle at because I'm still a child. <laughs> and so Khan shows up in his sanctum. That's right. Yeah. And Khan says, oh, I'm a descendant of Genghis Khan. And then he's like, I know about your past. Yeah. Right? And then he goes to further saying... Calls him yeah, Yinka or... Whatever his name is, yeah. But he tells him that, you know, he killed his mentor. He killed the Shadow's mentor. Yeah. Who taught him how to, you know, cloud people's minds and shit. Yeah, and he attacks him with that same floating knife again. Yeah. Uh, so the... Does he do that here? Because I think here they're just drinking together. They're, they're they're drinking, but up. they get into they get it. Oh yeah, that's right. The knife comes later. Yeah, that's that's the second time they're eating. Yeah, so they're drinking. They're having a good time. There's some there's some nice banner in here. Yeah, it's it's a little cheeky. It's like, bro, fun. I'm gonna like fuck this place up. Join me. And yeah, you can rule the galaxy as father and son. 
Because you, sir, you were great when you were evil. Yeah. Because um, Khan, Khan was a was a fan of his back yeah. in the day. He watched him and all of the brutality and all the evil he did and thought, yeah. that's what I want to be later. Yeah. So, you know, and he walked the same path that he did. He also went to the psychic temple and learned yeah. the psychic stuff, but he didn't quite get the whole redemption thing. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because when the movie starts off, the guy's all like, you know, I don't want redemption. You're getting it anyway. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think you can force redemption. And then, uh, sure enough, you can't. You know, this might yeah. come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're just going to teach evil people superpowers. What could go wrong? Yeah. So, <laughs> so they get this guy. Um, and so they, they have an argument and Alec Baldwin, you know, I'll never join you. And yeah. <laughs> and, uh. It it ends, but uh, but Khan flips him a coin. Yeah, because he wants to pay for the drink. Yeah, yeah. it's a parting gift. It's a classic guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and flips flicks him a coin, and then you know Alec Baldwin takes this coin, and he calls up uh, he calls up Roy Tan, the yeah. professor, to uh, analyze it. Yeah. And we have a really good line here, which I don't want to overlook. Roy, Roy Tan's in his kitchen. They have the radio on. The radio's reporting on the Phantom. I'm sorry. Darn the shadow. I'm gonna be doing this. Oh. So, so the it's it's reporting on the shadow, and Roy Tan's wife says, "You know, I think they just made this phantom up so people would listen to the radio," <laughs> which is exactly what they did. So, I the shadow knows. Come on, you know you love it. Go ahead and give him a go. You you say it. Come on, the shadow knows. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Zach, what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that I'm, what that yeah. Oh. Um, so anyway, so they're analyzing this they, coin. They analyze the coin, and we get some truly awful science here. The guy says the coin's made of bronzium, I think yeah, he said. Yeah, which, um... I didn't look up if bronzium was a thing. I did not either. But I assume it's bullshit. <laughs> essentially, it's he says that it's a mythical metal that they think the universe is made out of, which yeah. the universe is made out of space, and there happens to be metal in it. I don't know. So, so this bronzium, it's constantly expanding. Yeah. But the molecular structure holds it together. But if the molecular structure were to implode, it would explode. Yeah. Sure. I think you just have to, you know, break a molecular bond and, you know, that would get it if it's always expanding. But I don't know. I'm I'm not the, the NYU physicist. I don't know. So. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, what I was thinking is, uh, I think that's, like, in the Star Trek movie, like, the newest one, mm -hmm. like, that red matter stuff. Because that's what they put in the Vulcan, right? And then it implodes and then it explodes, right? And so, I mean, that's kind of similar. Does... I, I know like, it. the planet collapses onto itself and then it explodes, so... I don't remember it exploding, but you you'd know yeah. better than I would because I know they they I think that's what happened. It, yeah, in that Star Trek movie, they made the red matter because they were trying to stop the sun from exploding. They were gonna you know it creates black holes or whatever it does. You know, it's just dense and does. Eh, I don't know. I'm not the Star Trek guy. When I looked up bronzium right now, it says from Star Wars. So. Really? They have stuff about bronzium in there. All right. It's a new one on me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's what they make the Mandalorian armor out of. The coin's made of bronzium, and so uh, the the idea is that um, so from this bronzium coin, yeah, 
the shadow and the professor deduce that he's making a bomb. Yeah. Which is kind of a stretch, but okay. Yeah, fuck it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's why he's the shadow and I'm not. Because the, the guy flips me a coin, I might do some analysis and be like, oh, it's this thing, you know, try to figure it out just to kind of see if I can get any clues. But I, I don't know if I would make the cognitive leap to, he's making a bomb, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. I'd just be like, oh, neat. But that's why I'm not the shadow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They think bigger. Yeah. So, um, so he's like, oh, you need, you know, you need an implosion machine. Meanwhile, what's the thing that uh, Reinhardt Lane is working on, Dr. Lane? He's working on an implosion machine. Yeah. Something to, you know, generate energy. Yeah. I don't know how the implosion doesn't matter yeah. he's he's got this machine looking thing that does machiney things that will make a bomb yes yeah so the uh this is where they they hypnotize him with the long yeah right? yeah so uh so khan uses his his magical hypnosis powers and carries across the city to dr lane yeah. Dr. Lane goes out to smoke a cigarette, a, a pack of llamas. Yeah. Which I think is a play on camels. <laughs> Probably. He goes out, and there's this big gaudy billboard that's like puffing smoke. Yeah. And it says, I'd climb a mountain for a llama. Yeah. Great slogan. <laughs> and uh, this face morphs into Khan's. Khan! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> then, uh, you know, Ricardo Montalban. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's not Ricardo Montalban, but I really like this guy who plays Khan. Oh, yeah. He does a lot of fun stuff. I agree. Yeah. He's, he's got a fun little brutality to him, and then he has, he has a, uh, he's got, um, he's got a lot of, uh, of wit to him. There's a lot yeah. of class in everything he does, yeah, too. Yeah, gravitas. Yeah. And I have no idea who he is. I don't know. I don't, I don't know who he is. I don't know, you know, where he comes from. Yeah, the actor. I, I like the know. only guy we didn't know in this movie. I've only seen him in Russia. Russia too. Yeah, see, Tomas. He's the bad guy, Ricky Tan. Is he Ricky Tan? This is I why we have Tomas. I think so. I'm pretty sure. If if not, you you're, you're racist because you think yeah, they all look alike. So that's you, true. That's you a racist edge right there. You know, he thinks every white guy <laughs> looks like Quark from Deep Space Nine. But, I'm know, like pretty he, sure it was. I feel like his energy. We have the internet now. We can find these things. No, up. it's more fun to struggle <laughs> on the podcast so everyone thinks we're. Oh, we're pressure. we're old school radio DJs. Yeah, exactly. You know, 1970s. I yeah, we like need a guy like, in the truck. <laughs> I feel like his deliveries is similar. I don't know. All right, so we're at the lab, and he's getting hypnotized. Yeah, he gets he gets yeah. hypnotized, and now he's he's under the sway yeah. of Khan, the scientist yeah. guy, which is a standard trope in a lot. You know, get the bumbling scientist guy under your mind control. They use it later in Avengers, yeah. like same same thing. It's it's all everywhere. It's it's yeah. a I don't know what the name is, but yeah. the usual thing. So um, the shadow goes to go get this guy, right? Well, no, because uh, Margo. Mar yeah, that's right. Like, Margo. my guy's acting weird. Yeah. Like, he won't talk to me. Margo comes to the Cobalt Club where Jonathan Waters is once again complaining that the shadow's late for everything. <laughs> and uh, Margo comes up to Jonathan Waters because I guess she's been on the horn to the police all day. The horn. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 30s. That's appropriate. I know, no, I liked it. I thought it was good. All right, I dug it. That was good. She tells the commissioner. 
Yeah, so she tells the commissioner, you know, you got to look at my dad. He's like, you know, he's sealed himself off. You know, there's yeah. nothing we can do. Acting weird doesn't merit a police investigation, yeah. you know. And Alec Baldwin pieces out. He's like, ah, I left the coffee pot on. <laughs> yeah, he takes off and, and Margot follows him down the street. And he tries to pull his Jedi mind trick on her to make her to go away. He's like, you will not concern yourself with me anymore. And she's like, I don't know how you're used to talking with women. But this ain't gonna fly. Yeah, so you sound like you're drunk. <laughs> Which is like, you know, the 1930s way of saying, I'm about to take my earrings off, Heffa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> mind tricks aren't working. Yeah, yeah, so the mind tricks don't work, and uh, Alec Baldwin speeds away. I stole that line from CP Time. Uh -oh. I apologize. <laughs> I'm going to be stealing it a lot more in the future. Thank you, Shadow. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the shadow's gonna go. See so, what's up with Dr. so the shadow Lane. goes to say to save Doctor Lane or find out what's up. And there's a bunch of people dressed like you know Mon Mongolian warriors, like yeah. Mongolian warriors. You know they yeah. they they got all the all the stuff on, and and the shadow comes in doing his invisible gig. Yeah, punches him up. And um, we have a moment here, some some really fun effects. Um, I'm just gonna cut to it and say it's a fun little action scene. But but he fails. Um, he gets shot with a crossbow. Um, he gets pinned. Somebody shoots his shadow to the wall. Yeah. So the they they mention it a few times in the movie. The shadow is the only thing he can't hide. You know, he can't mesmerize anybody into not seeing his shadow. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, fair enough. But it's something that, like, you know, they're not entirely uh, clear on if he becomes a shadow or if a shadow, if or if he's just invisible. Yeah. I think he's just invisible. But this scene, just through the the effects that are unclear, no, he's definitely invisible. Yeah. It's not. But like this scene makes it a little unclear because he kind of his shadow slowly turns into him. And uh, it's a really cool looking effect when he's pinned to the wall. And uh, in the middle of this fight scene, he knocks he knocks one of these Mongolian warriors off of a building, and they fall down onto a gargoyle, and the Mongolian warrior dies on impact. And Alec Baldwin decides this is the moment to say, "Next time, you get to be on top," which is just so kind of out there for this type of movie. Like it hasn't really been a one-liner heavy event, and then it just kind of springs out of nowhere. I and thought it was kind of hot. <laughs> I wonder what that was even supposed to mean. Like, without the innuendo. I'll tell you what you're like, saying. Well, see, next time they fall off a building, yeah. the Mongolian warrior gets to be on top. That That's it. That's all it means. I get it. Yeah, it won't happen again. Okay. And therein lies the humor. Okay. There's also an innuendo in there that, you know, yeah, ups yeah, the comedy by about 20%. Yeah, that's the part I, I was in. So, right. so, um... I'm Yeah. So, um, he has this whole fight, but they, they make off with the professor. Yeah. And a member of the Mongolians is ready to kill himself, you know, to prove, you know, because Alec Baldwin wants in, uh, information out of him, but he's not giving it. He'd he's rather hanging die. him off the yeah. balcony. He's hanging him off the balcony, and the dude decides he's going to make himself fall. He makes himself fall. By the time the body hits the ground, Peter Boyle hops in the cab, because Peter Boyle drove him here. Yeah. And the shadow is already in the back of the cab. Yeah. So he made it there already. He's like, and, you know, I don't know how the hell he did that. But, you he's know, the shadow. he's a shadow. So he can also teleport and run downstairs really quick or whatever the hell he did that. Yeah. 
So you know. Yeah. So he he runs and and they take off and then. Khan goes for a twofer. Yeah. He he mesmerizes uh, he mesmerizes Margot Lane, the the doctor's daughter and the yeah. the quote unquote love interest of the film, yeah. into killing the shadow. Which this is where we find out Khan's power is more powerful than the yeah. shadow. Yeah. Because he's able to mind control Margot. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm not sure if it's supposed to be or if it's a plot hole. Um. I really yeah, don't know. I don't know. So, I think um, it's he's more powerful because the struggles with the knife, right? He's like you haven't, you know, conquered the yeah. power. So I think that's part of it is because he's not as you know developed in his uh, yeah controlling of the. Well, yeah, and in the beginning of the film, we see he's having trouble maintaining his his yeah. disguise. So, so yeah, I think it's more of a progression of him, like gaining more of his power. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, so. I, I thought the screenwriter just needed them to meet up somehow, and that was the best way. But, um, so, the, uh, the, the girl has a gun. She, she goes into Alec Baldwin's apartment, or his mansion. Yeah. Stately Lamont Manor. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> she, she sees Alec Baldwin stitching his crossbow wounds and shoots him, but surprise, it's a mirror. <gasps> Jinkies! And, uh, Alec Baldwin snaps her out of it. And it's it's really funny because he's calm and composed when she's hypnotized, and the second she wakes up, he starts yelling at her. Yeah. What are you doing in my house? Like, you know, she's hypnotized. What do you want from her? You know, and, uh, where are the other drugs going? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I never knew. Uh, so, they're they have their argument, but then she realizes that she was hypnotized to kill the shadow, and she came here, so she knows he's the shadow. Yeah. And uh, she can peer into his mind and, you know, see everything in him. And, and um, I think this is this is where, you know, he puts her to bed. You know? Well, he tells her when he gets home, she's got to be out. Yeah. Like, the next Hit the morning, bricks. In the morning. So, so he takes off to go find Khan. Khan! And then a Mongolian warrior follows him. Yeah. But then he gives that warrior the slip and then he follows the warrior to the place where he yeah. was going it's, it's kind of weird it's like a reverse tale but they were going to the same place without either of them knowing it I, yeah. I, I don't know but he he follows him into into chinatown and he goes to the second floor of a shop and khan's in there he's in a nice business suit you know like they discussed earlier they before when they were bantering they talked about you know making ties or you know where to buy ties and whatnot and they have another lovely banter you know alec baldwin turns on his like you know capital one look where he's just you know yeah just kind of snarky and quick and you know doing doing his spiel and it's uh it's adorable but then uh con tells him alec alec baldwin that he's weak and he slams a knife on the table yeah. and it's that knife it's the evil knife with the face that likes to bite people and also a blade and Khan has full control over yeah. the floaty knife, and he tells, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin that he used this knife to kill their teacher. Yeah. You know, which we all saw coming. You know. Yeah. So, so Alec Baldwin fights with this knife for a while. Well, he picks it up to stab him, and yeah. then he's like, you still haven't realized that you can't use brute force. Yeah. Yeah. The brutality doesn't work on the knife, yeah. so. So then, uh... But then for some reason, uh, it's like, you know, they both pull out guns. Yeah. They both shoot. Their bullets fuse in midair. Yeah. 
And then uh, Khan decides to book it. He yeah. yells at the window. The window shatters. He jumps out the window into a sidecar that looks like a throne. It just makes me... That's so good. It's an amazing sidecar. That's yeah. what I want like my Mongolian soldier to drive me around in. Yeah. If I ever... Just just, just nice little, you know... Yeah. No time for love, Dr. Jones. You know, he's gonna... Yeah. <laughs> so they start... You know, I know that's a cat, but still. Yeah. They... He gets away and... Uh, Alec Baldwin goes home. <laughs> well, no, it's very important because he follows Khan. Yeah. And they lose him. That's right. And then they right. go to an empty lot. They go to an empty lot and there's nothing there. Yeah. Which is another thing because they don't know, you know, where Khan went or where he's off to. So Alec Baldwin goes home and he has a nightmare. Yeah. He has this. Well, no, he gets home and she's still there. And yeah. And he's like, what the f are you doing here? And then he's like, oh, you can stay the night. Yeah. So so she goes to the guest she goes to the guest room and then Alec Baldwin goes to sleep and has a nightmare. Yeah. And Alec Baldwin has a nightmare that he walks into her room and he starts peeling his face off and then he's Ricky Tan from Rush Hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has uh, and it's really well done. It's a nice latex mask. Oh yeah, it looks really cool. It it looks it's it's great. I I'd put it like you know that scene where that dude tears his face off in Poltergeist? Yeah. I'd say it's like a notch above that one as far as practical yeah. effects go. Oh, oh really? That's high praise. Yeah, it's it's a really, really... I mean, you can tell it's a mask, but you can tell it's latex and poltergeist as well. But it's it's a really damn good effect. And at the beginning, you're kind of like, oh, where's, where's this guy? Oh, oh, yeah, it's... Con. Yeah, and, and, you know, he's con, and he's all shocked. and Yeah. He, he goes... Uh, you know, and then, you know, in the morning he wakes up, you know, in the sweat, and he goes in to, to check on the lady. Mm -hmm. And she tells him how she had a wonderful dream about being naked on the beach, and the tide was rising to his toes. He's like, that's great, I had a dream, I tore my face off. <laughs> like, you got problems. Yeah. Like, Get out of my house. <laughs> so he, she decides that she's going to go with him on his, yeah. his shadowing for the day. Yeah, because she's like, I'm not going anywhere until you find my father. Yeah. So they have this little comical scene where she's getting dressed and whatnot. And they're they're going back and forth and ha 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 ha, ha fun stuff. <laughs> um, across town, Khan makes Doctor Smoothie jump off a skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> so there is there's a there's a character actor, um, and the role we know him best for is playing uh, Dr. Smoothie in the sci-fi show Happy, which is based off a comic book. And he's this sick, twisted, you know, demented guy who likes to cut people up for fun. And yeah. his name's Dr. Smoothie. And he happens to be, you know, a, a day player <laughs> in this in this film. And uh, basically, it's it's a scene for scene's sake. You know, Con, Con's there... Well, Khan and the doctor are looking at the city. They're looking at the city, and they're talking about how how wide the you yeah. know the blast radius the blast so radius is going to yeah. be you know the destruction for miles you know, nah. the fires of Mount Doom you know they're up there <laughs> just you know talking about junk and then a, a sailor you know rubs them the wrong way and and Ricky Tan makes him jump. I really hope it's Ricky Tan. <laughs> We're, we're, we're putting all of our chips in the quark and, and yeah. Ricky Tan, you know, box here. Yeah. So, um, so then we have another bad joke. In the background, we see this guy falling off the Empire State Building. Yeah. 
And then we have Alec Baldwin saying, it's all falling into place. There's, you know, something along those lines. Well, this is in the background. You know, he's oblivious to this stuff happening. Yeah. And they go to this to this building, this this lot. Yeah. Or no, no, that doesn't happen yet. Mm-hmm. They don't do this till later, because first we have that whole Tim Curry scene. Yeah. I totally, totally hey, missed it. I'm here to keep you here. I know. I Otherwise, drag you in right away. Otherwise, it's, I'd still be talking about colors. Exactly. You know? I'd, I'd be... But no one's got time for Sean Penn movies. <laughs> what about the color purple? Oh, it's such a good movie. It's my favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie, man. She's awesome in that. What about that French film Blue? It's part of that color trilogy. So, <laughs> the shadow so, goes to talk to Claymore. Because Claymore, Claymore, Tim Curry, Tim Curry's character, Tim Curry's character is Dr. Claymore. And Claymore is he, has is a Is he a bo- doctor? I think he's just a mystery. Is he a mystery? I thought it was. If he's got a beryllium, if he's got a beryllium spear, he's got to be a doctor. I don't know. I didn't think he was a doctor. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, Claymore. You know, he he goes to see Claymore about about his beryllium spear. Yeah. And um, Claymore shoots him. No, I think you're right. That this is they see the building before this. Because she's at the library researching what happened yeah. to the lot or why to the lot. Yeah. the lot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. so first the the phantom goes to go talk to Tim Curry. It's a phantom. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days I'll screw my brain on straight. Yeah, but then we wouldn't. See, they're anymore. supposed to say my head on straight. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Fuck it. <laughs> Keep going. It's not like this is an audio format or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's no. fine. I'm sure they can tell from my body language what I mean. Yeah. No, it, it's just... So, um, it's just so Tim Curry... Tim Curry uh, is having a conversation with the Shadow, and the Shadow's trying to intimidate him. In, yeah. in this sphere. They're in this big metal sphere. Yeah. Exactly. Not the beryllium sphere, not to confuse anyone here. So, so they're in this place, and, and Tim Curry shoots him. Yeah. He's he's got a gun. He takes five shots, and and one of them misses the wall. Is the only way I can describe. It's hit thin air, uh, and he's only able to see him because uh, he turns on the water. Yeah, water starts filling up, so he can see where the water isn't. So he knows. He knows where uh, where Alec Baldwin is. Yeah. Now, if you're gonna do the whole hypnosis thing, you'd think the water would be covered, but yeah, you know, whatever. So, so Tim Curry shoots him. And runs out and, and seals the door. He, he broke the lever, you know. Um, Alec Baldwin's trapped in this sphere of water. Yeah. It's filling up, it's filling up. Then Alec Baldwin uses his powers and contacts Lane, tells him, Hey, I need you, you know. Yeah. So she runs across town, gets the thing, and, and lets him out. Um, it's kind of a dramatic scene. He has to breathe air through the air holes. Yeah. That the bullet that the bullet holes left yeah. in the wall. So um, you know, lots of fun there. Yeah. They float out and then they go, you know, check out where the building was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After this scene where we find out that Tim Curry is not only evil, he's working of his own volition. Yeah, he wants to be a king in the new world order. Yeah. What what was that hand sign? <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Anyway, was that some sort so of wrestling we find reference? Out that the vacant lot. Uh, I'm curious used to, to be know the hotel monolith. Yeah, and then uh, she's saying that everyone knows about the hotel, and they know it got torn down, but no one knows when it. No got one knows torn when down. it got torn down. Six years ago. Yeah. You know the uh, the the guy committed suicide. Yeah. 
which heavily implies the the owner of the monolith committed suicide, which heavily implies that he was killed yeah. by our guy, which means he was he here for six years? It was like, the it was the long con. <laughs> I was just gonna bow on that one. <laughs> and he's left the building. He's no longer here. He just he took his ball and, and left. Uh, that's, good. That's, that's a great joke. Come on, that's a great one. That was pretty good. So um so anyway, um Alec Baldwin is able to see this building. Yeah. No one else is. Yeah. As he says, he's hypnotized the whole city. Yeah. Which means that he's definitely more powerful than Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Because the building doesn't have a shadow. Because <laughs> people would see that, right? You know. So I I don't know. That might be a plot hole. That might be like it's hard to tell where the powers end and the plot holes start. I don't know? think they're plot holes, man. I'm telling you, the, he doesn't have full grass's powers. Yet. I I understand that, but I feel like the shadow is like just kind of the the con, <laughs> like the downside of his powers. That was not an intentional pun. That just came out. Um. So uh, so Alec Baldwin, he's he's able to yeah. he's able to see, um, and then then Alec Baldwin waits till nighttime to do his assault. Yeah, he's just kind of like there's the building, and then he waits like ten hours, um, <laughs> long enough for the uh, the bad guys to get their bomb in order. Doctor yeah. Lane and Tim Curry have have made the bomb. Yeah. Khan uh, kind of berates Tim Curry for being too ambitious and wanting to be a king. You know. Yeah. Tim Curry does his standard groveling act, you know. Tim Curry's very versatile. He's very good at having power and very good at, like, you know, subjugating himself. He's really a well-rounded actor. Yeah. More so in later years. You know, the older he gets, the more well-rounded he seems to be. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Just so everyone knows, I love Tim Curry. And it it's awful that he has that condition one for himself and his family and it must be hard for him to you know get around and do everything in his chair and two because i don't get to see him yeah as often as i would otherwise now he he doesn't do much not even voice work anymore and and that's a shame because you know we really need every ounce of that man for future generations yeah you know? <laughs> hopefully would have released uh oscar there is no there is no like Tim Curry analog. Like nobody can replace Tim Curry. He's just yeah, his own, you I know. He's his own guy. <laughs> anyway. So um, the the shadow begins his assault, and here we have this great little animation of the shadow moving through this building. Literally a shadow. Yeah. Um, I believe what they did is they animated on the film. They put. Uh, different, uh, you know, they just straight, you know, pen and pa paper drawing on, you know, yeah, on the film, because it's, it's definitely animated, and it ends in this great shot of Alec Baldwin standing there with his, with his yeah. cape flowing, and it's, it's spectacularly corny, and I love it. I, yeah. I love this film. It, I do too. It's exactly what it is. So awesome. And, um... Yeah. From from him doing all this shadow stuff and this thing, uh, and just, you know, Khan has his premonition, like, ah, he's here. I'm going to send Tim Curry and my men to go beat him up. So Tim Curry comes, to, he throws Tim Curry a Tommy gun. Then Tim Curry goes downstairs. There's a bunch of dudes who's like, you go that way, I'll go this way. Nah. So Tim Curry goes the other direction, and the shadow locks him in that room. 
It's a big room, and he starts doing his theatrics, putting his shadow all over the wall wherever he's looking, and Tim Curry's just shooting in the air at the shadows. He does this kind of spinning in a circle with the Tommy gun thing, laughing maniacally. And then uh, Alec Baldwin picks him up, and he tells him to go and get out of here, and Tim Curry starts running. So it's like, oh, he let him go, and he's like, there's the exit, Claymore, and there's an exit sign over a window, and yeah. Tim Curry jumps through the window onto a glass table, presumably dead. I would assume. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. And then uh, Alec Baldwin's just in Khan's room, so I don't know what happened to those other four guys. Yeah. As they've been pieced out, I don't know. Yeah. So, so Alec Baldwin pulls out his guns. It's over, Khan, you know. And then Khan presses a button on his chair, and the floor starts rotating and yeah. oscillating. It's, you know, moving up. and It's like a carnival ride. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. Also, it seems to have, like, oiled it up real slick because, you know, the shadow is just sliding all around the floor. And then, uh, just for fun, Khan throws the knife into the mix. Yeah. That evil knife with a face. It has a name. I couldn't tell you what it is. It's Every time it's said, it's really quick. And really fast, and, and you can't, and, and it's also in another language, so I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it. But the knife is attacking him, and Khan's berating him, and it's here at this moment that uh, that uh, Alec Baldwin searches inside himself and finds his focus, I guess. Yeah. As the knife is cutting into his throat, he's able to pull it back, and you know, he. There's, there's a moment that I'm not quite sure how to interpret. He's face-to-face -face with the knife, and the knife mimics his movement, and that seems to give Alec Baldwin the idea, like, maybe it's his own anger or hatred, or I yeah. don't know. Something like that, but the... he He's able to take control over the knife, and he uses it to stab Khan. Just yeah. impales him on the side, and this is the moment where Khan, like, throughout this whole thing, he's been in control, he's been powerful. Yeah. He decides to just take off and run. Yeah. You know, he's out here, like, you know, which I guess makes sense since uh, Alec Baldwin has guns and we yeah. haven't seen Khan with a gun yet, so. Yeah. Always carry a gun, kids. Hey, man. <laughs> but when uh, Khan gets stabbed, yeah. his mind control's over, and then everyone can see the hotel now. Like, yeah. his powers are gone. Like, all of the manipulation he was doing yeah. ends. Yeah. So, um, so, Alec Baldwin follows him, and they, they find the sarcophagus. Yeah. And they go into the sarcophagus, and and uh, Alec Baldwin pulls a string, and it shoots him down a laundry chute. Yeah. Which is really weird, because this sarcophagus was in here earlier. I don't know why he was in it, you know, to begin with, if he was here six years ago, you know, buying the hotel, or killing the dude to take the hotel, or... Yeah. I, I have no idea dude, what role. It was the long time. <laughs> And now this sarcophagus has a hole in the bottom, you know, that I, they had to have made that afterwards, unless, you know, yeah. I don't know. The sarcophagus doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Here's the thing. Fuck it. Let's move on. Fuck <laughs> it. Let's move on. So, so here he's chasing them through a laundry room. Yeah. And then they go into the Phantom of the Opera's Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> the yeah. same one he tried to hang Raul in. Yeah. The same one that the Joker and Batman fought in. You know, there's just, you know, everybody, every good villain has a hall of mirrors. That's yeah. how you do it. You know, that's, that's how you'll able to be able to tell if I've ever gone evil. If yeah. you're in my house and there's like a fun house All in the right. basement. That's, that's, that's the mark. Cause like, oh, that she's done it, fine. Why would you need a hall of mirrors in your house, lair, whatever? There's no reason for it. So they're... They're running around this hall, and then Alec Baldwin starts vibrating, and he uses his immense, 
uh, his he's he he tells uh, he tells our our lead lady earlier, uh, Margot Lane, that he is uh, incredibly psychically endowed. Yeah. And he starts using it here, and he shatters all the mirrors with his mind, and then he flings a piece of glass right into Khan's head. Yeah. 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 And we're like, oh, Khan's dead. Yeah. yeah. So, then you know. Um, Everybody can see the building. It's a big deal. Yeah. John Waters shows up, and uh, the shadow's able to escape unseen. Yeah, and Margo and the cab driver show up, and Margo yeah. and Doctor Lane uh, disarm the bomb after yeah. much shenanigans. Yeah, they have yeah. It's, it's so many shenanigans. It's not even worth mentioning. It's, well, yeah, and then but the very end, yeah. it's the color thing again. Yeah, and he's about to cut the wrong wire, and she's like, "No, this is the green one," and so she diffuses the bomb. Bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's usually the green one. Yeah, but it was funny. We know. are the future charmer. Exactly. All right. Yeah. If if the bomb like was gonna go off and he couldn't stop it, he probably would have told Margaret to fly, you fool. Yeah. So, so anyway, so like the very end, like the last scene. Yeah. Right. Well, not the last. Scene. Not the last. Second scene. to last. Second it's to last. Khan. Scene. Khan's in a mental hospital. Yeah. He's all in a straitjacket. Yeah. And a doctor comes in, and Khan tells him to look into his eyes. And uh, he does. You know, and it looks like he's hypnotized, but, you know, oh, snap, he's not. He's like, oh, well, you know, we had to do some brain surgery on the front of your head <laughs> to save your life. Yeah. You know, we cut that, uh, you know, we... The frontal lobe. We, we cut yeah. a part of your frontal lobe off, you know, and, you know, but your people don't use it for anything unless you believe in psychic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he leaves and he's got the shadow ring as he signs out. Yeah. He's like, no, I am the con, you know, yelling over and over again. And as he's leaving, a bunch of people are yelling also yeah. in the madhouse. I'm Napoleon. I'm Henry VIII. You know, like a whole yeah. bunch of people yelling. Which begs the question, is he in a mental institution? Or is this where the shadow puts all the people he fought? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> it could go either way. But, yeah. like, you know, that's a sequel. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, this might be the prequel to Glass. Especially with that shard going through his head. So, um, anyway. All, all that stuff happens. And, um... We have our, uh, you know, Alec, Alec Baldwin talking to the lady. You know, it's all gonna be good. And they're yeah, gonna he got the girl. Got the girl through the non-existent love thing that didn't have to happen. And, and then we have the the end scene of uh, of Alec Baldwin and his ridiculous nose, yeah. mugging for the camera, which turns into the logo for this film. Which the logo spectacular. Oh yeah. Logo logo fades out, leaving only the piercing green eyes. Then it fades down, and it starts into, uh, and then it starts into the end credits in a, yeah. in a funky song. But that that is the shadow. Yeah. In its entirety, more or less. I love the shadow, you say, man. You say you recognize the song at the end, or is that just more? I I don't know what that song is. I uh, that song, a piece of it, or at least the melody, as far as I know, was used in uh, Dance of the Vampires, which is a play. And I only know that because I have a seven-minute version of Total Eclipse of the Heart that flows into that song. Wow. <laughs> so don't don't ask me beyond that. This is random. Like what it what it sounds to the audience is as random as it sounds to me. I don't yeah. know the song. 
All I know is I've heard it at the end of the seven minute Total Eclipse of the Heart thing I have from Dance of the Vampires. That is all I can tell you about that song. Oh. That sounds really obscure. That's random. I could play it for you later, Tomas, if you really yeah. want to. All right. all right, final thoughts and impressions? I really enjoy this movie. It is cheesy, campy, a whole lot of fun with a lot of production value, a lot of effort, some genuine laughs, uh, a few cringes, um, just a good and I feel memorable movie all around. All right, what would you grade it? B minus. Damn. All right, Tomas, final thoughts and impressions? I had a lot of fun watching with you guys. Yeah. Uh, it was fun watching you guys get excited when you saw people. You know, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know all the people, but I'll give a B plus for that fun watching. Oh, did you look at that? Well, yeah, everybody already knows me. I'm gonna be like, I love this movie so much. Alf Baldwin's one of my favorite actors ever. Cause I, I didn't know that. At least Jack Donaghy, who's Dirty one of Rock. my favorite yeah. characters ever, because he's so awesome in that. So I mean, yeah. So I give this movie A plus, and you know why? Because the shadow. Shadow knows. Alright, I think we're good. We I think good? we're good. Yeah, I went on enough crazy tangents yeah. today. Alright, man. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Have a good day. So long. Bye. I've been looking for an original sin. One with a twist and a bit of a spin. And since I've done all the old ones Till they've all been done in Now I'm just looking Then I'm gone with the wind Endlessly searching For an original
ringing for the kill And they'll be hell to pay someday Put it all on the bill Cause we'll always be paying And paying until We're beyond expiration With a license to thrill 